Shut up and sit down. Hope you're having a great Friday and have awesome plans for the weekend. The the Jillian is out in the wild. I don't know where she is exactly, but she's in the wild. There's a tent involved. I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> but I look forward to the story for afterwards. <laughs> um, tonight we're talking about um, uh, just uh, how I deal with... Uh, with um, periods of time where I where I don't write, and um, Lady Holder is on the line, so um, I'm gonna press gang her into talking to me. Um, <laughs> although I think she saw that coming, <laughs> but uh, and so you know, in the in Minion Headquarters, I believe is where it was. Uh, we had a member um, uh, talk about losing a large portion of work, a a large body of their work, and um, how it kind of ruined um, her momentum as a writer. And I can see how that could happen. Um, I had a similar experience in um, where I lost not all of my work, but um, I had just, Enough to hurt my feelings, let's put it that way. Probably close to fan fiction and original work, probably close to me in words. Uh, And um, because I had not backed up in a while, um, and my backup, my automatic backup wasn't working. um, And that's including like multiple drafts of of certain projects. um, And I count them individually because no two drafts are the same. And so yeah, it it uh it hurt my feelings and but I, it didn't throw me off my stride in that I didn't stop writing altogether. It was just um what I lost, I've never attempted to I will say that. Um I said before and I'll say it again, um I don't actually believe in writer's block. I don't think it exists. Um and nor do I believe in a muse. I believe um you're either inspired to write or you're not. And if you're inspired to write but you're not writing, it's just because you don't want to write. And it's perfectly okay to be in a position where you don't want to write. It's perfectly okay to acknowledge that. So don't hide behind that writer's block mythos. Um, if you don't want to write, just own up to it. It's perfectly okay to not be in a place where you want to write. It's also perfectly okay to not be inspired. These are things that happen. And um, it's perfectly okay to be in that position. And I've been there and I will be there again because it is a cycle. a writing mentality. I mean, lots of things can, can can just suck the writer out of you. You know, exhaustion, stress, 
um, whether it be physical stress or mental or emotional stress, uh, uh, working 60, 70 hours a week, uh, even working 40 hours a week can just drain you, not getting enough sleep, uh, not having people in your life who are um, supportive of, of your of your craft or or of who respects your writing time. When you have someone in your life who doesn't respect your writing time, it can it, it can create a very frustrating and stressful situation. Um, and you will often associate your writing time with that stressful situation and it can be hard to write. It can be it can be very hard to write. So we're gonna talk about that. I'm gonna put Lady Holder on the air. You've you've got a question mark by your name by your number. Hello. I don't hear anything from Lady Holder. I imagine that her mic is not working. She got a new mic. Um, it's not working. Yeah, I got a new mic. Does that work now? Is it working now? I think so, yes. Okay, excellent. Mic didn't work. All right, so that was frustrating. I'm sorry, folks. <clears throat> <laughs> That's okay. Um, I would say technical also, difficulties. Um, I... Yeah, technical difficulties. That there are physical um, issues that can get in the way of your writing as well. You know, if you have carpal tunnel, if you have a difficult time sitting up or, or sitting in a place for a certain amount of time, um, if you have attention deficit deficit uh if you have a chronic pain condition can enter you know honestly i do have a chronic pain condition and sometimes pain is so exhausting that even when i want to write even when i'm very inspired to write i'm so fucking tired that i don't Mhm. i'm lucky in, in that i don't have that one but i do have the 40-hour-a-week job with a hour drive each way. I have um, trying to find, trying to fit anything around my schedule and honestly worry. Um, my, my dad currently is uh, not well and is facing some surgery on Monday. And while I'm writing, I'm not writing much. So, you know, that's life, real life, if you want to call it that, um, is a bitch to writers. <laughs> it really is. Meat space is just stressful to dudes. It is just stressful to be a, to be a flesh bag. Oh, God. We're all anxiety tickles. Where's cucumber yeah. anxiety? <laughs> You've seen that that um, little thing where where the angel looks at God and said, "Why did you do that to a perfectly good ape? You gave it anxiety." <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and flashbacks and neuroses and all sorts of other good things, you know. Uh, I went to the grocery store. I, I, I left my house at three o'clock. I'm sorry. Um, my grocery store is is ten minutes from my house. To give, just to give you some, so <laughs> so I had to go to the pharmacy, and then I went to, to do two different grocery stores. 
Um, and there, and it was all within like 15 minutes of my house, right? So I leave at three. Uh-huh. I get home at 6:30. Yeah, no. 6:30. I am out of the house three and a half hours. Um, I had to buy groceries. I go to the pharmacy. I I visit two different grocery stores. Um, and I get home and I haul my 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 crap into Booty. the house and I put it all and I put it all in the um um I put it all away and then I'm like fuck it I'm not even hungry. <laughs> I was so tired. Oh my god. I was like fuck it. <laughs> I did I did heat some leftovers up and um I'm. I, I'd gotten, um, Kroger has this, uh, section now where you can get these, uh, frozen entrees. Uh, yes, they're like that, you know, that it's like a little counter and it has a little scoop Mm -hmm. and you can like get shrimp Mm -hmm. or, um, gumbo or potatoes. I, I forget what the actual thing is called. Anyway, I got my husband some sausage and chicken gumbo, which he really enjoyed. Um, you, yeah, you bring it home and you put it in the um, skillet and you cook it for about 12 minutes, heat it all up, and then it's all ready to go. I did the shrimp scampi. It was nice. Very nice. Yeah, um, the, the husband adores that one. And I get the prime ribbon and mushroom with mushroom gravy. That looked really good, actually. And I didn't eat mushrooms, and it did look it, the the picture looked really good. Um, well, the really good thing about it is the way this this stuff is presented where I am. Um, if I'm really careful, I can pick up the the meat and gravy bits with a minimum of mushrooms. And since it's frozen, I can throw them out. <laughs> I'll have to. All right, I'll have to try that out. Um, yeah. Well, let's try the uh, chicken alfredo with the asparagus. I want to try that. It looks good. I'm not an asparagus fan. Mm, I love I love asparagus and green beans. I know. Green beans I like. And I found a new vegetable. Yes, very much so. Um, I found a new vegetable the husband and I are liking a lot. It's um, apparently when you grow garlic, uh, it sh- it sends up a, a flower shoot, and to make sure you actually get bulbs, you chop off the shoot. And um, that shoot, that that long piece of stem with the the, um, sealed flower at the top, it's all edible. I don't eat the flower part, but I eat everything else. And it acts just like green beans, but it tastes like garlic. And it's wonderful stuff. And we got it from the local. um, (laughs) We got it from the local, um, I don't even know, multicultural store because it's got just about every, every culture that I've eaten from. And um, we go there and found it, and it's like, hey, this looks interesting, and it smelled fabulous because it smelled like garlic. And what's um, it, I, mean, I mean, what do they call it? Do they call it something? That's, is it called garlic stems, or think what's it's it called? Garlic shoots. I think it was garlic shoots. Garlic shoots. I will mm-hmm. have to look that up. See if I can't find some place that has it. Yeah, because. Um, but you know. Yeah. Physical exhaustion, and um, I think that uh, that just being exhausted and being in a place where you want to write but not being physically able to write is a very frustrating experience. And um, 
it can just frustration can wear you out. I mean, it just just drag you down oh, yeah. and make you go, oh god. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's really hard to be comes... productive and creative when you're really super frustrated. Yeah, there comes a point um, with that where you know all you all you really want to do is just have a nice screaming fit. And then that. And, and yeah, maybe some wine. You know, but uh, yeah. I don't know what else I mean, to, to mm. do. These are things we can't control. I mean, um, these are things that this is just part of uh, being a human being, you know, being an anxiety cucumber. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have all these things we have to deal with, yep. uh, work and health. Um, I think it's important that you try to carve out a little bit of your day just for yourself, no matter what you do with it, to kind of like reconnect to you and to um, – you know, have a cup of coffee, have a glass of wine, uh, eat a whole watermelon, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever makes you. you happy. Give yourself not not a whole one. <laughs> the greater majority of I could I couldn't eat a whole one. I would try, but I, I would I would not succeed. Well, you know they've got those little ones that are the size of of well. A slightly undersized um, or slightly oversized cantaloupe. No, I can handle a personal watermelon. I can handle a personal watermelon. That's what I was talking about. But yeah, I can handle one of those. But what I'm what I'm getting at is that it. A lot of times, I think that especially with working women, and um, uh, Mm -hmm. that you don't. You have this big list of things to do outside your home, and then you have this big list of shit you have to do inside your home. Um, and a lot of times, you don't give yourself permission to stop. Because you have, you have laundry, you have, you have a meal to put on the table, you've got, you, you know, just all this crap that you've uh-huh. got waiting on you when you walk in the door. Um or when you get out of the bed, in my case, since I don't actually work outside the home. But one of the things about working inside my home that's a problem is that I never actually leave my work environment. Well, yeah. Well, unless you go – well, actually, let me let me rephrase this. You never leave your work environment because you take your work environment with you. Right. Um, I uh, – yeah, because my, my laptop goes in my bag. It goes up my house, you know – I never uh-huh. leave my home without my laptop, so there are there's there's never really a moment, um, and it's been that way since I started um, working from home, where even like even on my last vacation, I took my laptop with me and checked email. Oy. Um, every day. So uh, my work schedule is a little bit different than Lady Holder's, a little bit different than, you know, yours, and hers is a little <laughs> bit different than, you know, whatever you guys have got going on. Um, she's got a two-hour commute in, in, in her um, uh, built into her day. So you're like, what, you're out of the house half the day, 10 to 12 hours? Some days more than half the day. Um, my – this morning started um, – I got up at – 4.15, I was out of the house by uh, 
and I was at work um, right at 6. And then I got off work at 2.30, and I drove home-ish. I stopped off um, at a Starbucks and wrote for an hour and a half, and then I came home. So, and then when I got home, um, basically fussed around for a little bit, and then I cooked dinner, and I actually was finishing my dinner as you were doing your intro. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, well, it's you know, lots of fun. I got up this morning, um, I, uh, I had a whole bunch of emails to answer, I had to call, couple of clients to deal with um and um i had to make a couple of phone calls and then i had to call um few relatives to make sure they're still breathing uh <laughs> that's always a good thing welfare check uh, uh yes. you know i used to own myself but now i have a couple of cousins who we kind of have like a little phone tree and um I call these four aunts and uncles. They call these four aunts and uncles. You know, so it's not all on me like it right. used to be. Um, but uh, then I right. uh, I had to um, go out and do my thing and you know, go to the pharmacy and go to the grocery stores. Uh, and that grocery uh-huh. store thing is actually my fault because I like to buy certain things from certain places, and I have OCD. So um, I uh, – and, you know, also – this is also Julie's fault. She's not here, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell on her. Okay, so we were having this discussion <laughs> about bananas one night. And I was saying how that I thought that Chiquita bananas tasted more like bananas than other brands of bananas. And so we started looking around and come to find out Chiquita grows a different kind of banana than Del Monte or Dole. Uh-huh. And I actually prefer yeah. the Chiquita kind it's a different it's a different breed of banana so there's only one store in my area that actually sells chiquita bananas and that is uh Publix so um cuz Walmart sells uh Dole I believe and um Kroger sells Del Monte and I wanted chiquita so I had to go to uh to to uh to Publix to get my bananas and I also got some sugar kiss um, cantaloupes I'm really excited about because uh, if you've not had a sugar kiss cantaloupe you have not had cantaloupe I yeah that's never wow. coming into this house sorry sweetie it is so good I'm going to come to her house with I, this cantaloupe you think she'll let me in I, no because the husband's allergic Oh shit! Um, really? And, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, and since I yeah, and since I don't particularly want to plant him right this instant, he's not getting any cantaloupe. <laughs> that sucks. Now, is he allergic to honeydew I as will, well, or just the cantaloupe? Uh, as far as I know, cantaloupe. He avoids most melons. Um, I will. Uh, I will say though that my dad um, would probably sit there and eat cantaloupe every day and twice on Sundays uh, if he had a chance. Because he adores them, I don't get it. Get your dad just, a sugar kiss cantaloupe. It is amazing. It is so good. I'll see if I can um, find one. I highly recommend. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, it's also apple season. Apples are coming in. I love this Yay. time of the year for apples. They're always so much better than they are any other time mm-hmm. of the year. Like from September to like January, 
really, really good. Um, I got some mm-hmm. Honeycrisp and I got some Fuji and um, I got, uh, I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm really happy about the banana, the um, apple situation. Um, but uh, yeah, apple, apple what I'm getting at is that uh, just the whole grocery thing. Um, but uh, so you fill your day up. Like for the moment you get mm-hmm. up to the moment you go to sleep, you fill your day up. Um, and a lot of times it just, you don't even know how stressed you are. You don't well, even know what is stressing you until that stress disappears. And it's, this is true. I will say this. One of the things that I ended up doing, which would probably utterly horrify you is, um, my grocery store, uh, has somebody who'll shop for me. So I go I actually ordered Publix groceries. I um mm-hmm. I got a half gallon of milk <clears throat> and two containers of strawberries and I order and I got a loaf of bread and I ordered it on Publix mm-hmm. and they brought it to my house and I was sick. Uh, <laughs> 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 they brought it to yep. my house and I was like well, look at this. My, I was really, I was really too pleased, actually. I, Good. You know you're an adult when you get excited about grocery delivery. Oh, honey, if if I was home on the regular, um, I would do it. I wouldn't do it at this time of year because for me, I would have everything just completely destroyed. Um, but I go and I get all my groceries, I, I pick them out, on, you know, what I want online. I order it. I go pick it up. It takes me five minutes to get my groceries most days when I do that. Um, and, yes, as somebody is picking out my produce, and I don't mind because I've never really had a problem with it. All right. Um, thankfully, the store in question is good. But I wouldn't even let my husband pick my melons. Yes, well, that's your your thing. I'm just, yeah. You know, I, I schedule it. I go and I, I you yeah. know, it's between, if I was going to do it today, it would have been between 5 and 6. I'd have swung by, picked up my groceries, come home. Everything would have been there. But what about meat? So, I mean, don't you want to look at your yeah. meat and pick out your own meat? Most of the time I buy chicken, and it's already done up in the container, and I don't have to worry about it, and I haven't had a problem with it. Um, for mm-hmm. specialty stuff like, um, well, for me, specialty stuff is steak, or, or when we go and we buy a pork loin, we go and we buy the steak and the pork loin. Okay? This mm-hmm. is, that's, those are the two things we buy ourselves. But for chicken breasts, it's already packaged. I don't have to worry about it. Just this is what I want. So. I, you know, actually, I think that um, ordering your groceries like that would be a good time-saving tip for people who um, are just, you know, really super stressed about that. And um, I do need to pick my own produce as a rule. Um, I, I have issues, obviously. But uh, also uh-huh. I have this thing where when I pick something up and put it in my buggy, it becomes my stuff 
cart. It's in my cart. It's my stuff. I don't want anybody touching it after I put it in my cart. It belongs to me now. I haven't paid for it yet, but it is mine. I don't want, I prefer to do my own checkout. And I know, I know somebody's going to be like, Kira, you should be supporting people. You're taking somebody's job. There is actually somebody working at the self-checkout doing a job. So I'm supporting that person doing their job. I don't want people touching my stuff after it belongs to me. And if it goes in the cart, it's mine. You know, I swear to Christ, I've called you Rodney before because you, you sometimes exhibit it. That one was totally Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody touched my, my stuff. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I honestly, honestly, I think um, if you can get your groceries um, gathered up for you and it will help you um, carve out some time for yourself, then you then you 100% do it. Um, if it's just your staples and, and you can get those on one day and then go get your meat on another day, that, that spreads it out a little bit so you're not as stressed. Um, you know, get your get your cereals and your chips and your bread. Um, picked out for you, pick that up, and the next mm-hmm. day go get the meat. And, you know, that way you aren't all bunched up with your time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? one, of the, one of the things the husband and I have done is since we get a lot of our meat from Costco, um, mm-hmm. especially the, the, uh, the pork ones because they're really nice ones, um, we'll go run all our errands and, you know, we have to get down to the grocery store between – three and four, and we show up, we do our our little call-in, we get our stuff, it gets put in the car, and we go. And that's the last errand of the day. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I enjoy going to the farmer's market, but the farmer's market is actually more like a, it's not a chore. Going to the farmer's market is not a chore. Uh, I don't consider it a chore. I mean, go to the grocery store is a chore. The pharmacy is a chore. Uh, Walmart is ten chores. <laughs> uh-huh. It's ten. But At going least. to the farmer's market is kind of a gift to myself because there's all kinds of fruits and vegetables, and I love the way it all smells. It, it reminds me of my grandparents and their garden. Um, it's just it's it's not really a I don't I don't consider it a chore. It's a it's more of a joy. And I can go there and poke fruit and buy fruit and, you know, and thump watermelons. <laughs> it's well, not, it's not anymore. The, the local um, farmer's market for me, uh, there's not really one down by me. And then when Barb was still um, living down here, uh and I would go visit her on Saturdays. We would hit one of the farmer's markets by her, and that was great. But honestly, there's not really much of one down here. And it's also <clears throat> really bloody hot. Um, I got to work at 6 a.m. It was 87 degrees, and the sun had just come up. Ugh. It is uh, 10.30 where I am, and it is currently, um, it's 10.30. Come on, open up your app. 
And it is 76. 76. Okay. And the humidity. <laughs> the humidity is 81. <laughs> okay, so it's 8.30 out here, um, 91 degrees, and the humidity is 19%. 19, wow. Yep. Yep, yep. Ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, eighty. I no, honey. If you want to experience Walmart, go to the people at Walmart site and be horrified. Yeah, you don't need to actually go to a Walmart to experience Walmart. I'm just, you know, you don't need to go there. Just, just go to the people at Walmart site. It will serve that need. Um, but oh you know, my time God, management yes. is one of the biggest issues I think we have. Um. And when you're exhausted and um, you don't have a lot of time and um, you uh, get to a very frustrated place, and it can make writing very difficult. And so uh, time management is one of the things that I've always struggled with um, because I can't have a problem with procrastination if I don't want to do something. If I desperately don't want to do it, I will put it off as long as possible. Uh, yeah, I will get it that done. That right for me. I will get it done on time. Eventually. No, I mean I will get it done on time. But I was that person who would be writing their term paper two days before it was due, huh. even though I had six months to write it. I mean, because if I didn't want to write it, if I wanted to write it, it would have been done the first week it was assigned. But if it was something I didn't want to do, I'd wait to the last minute to do it. In school, and so I'm no different. I'm not. I'm no different. Um, and also, being your own boss, um, uh, working from home, um, can can kind of compound that issue. Uh, so like, <laughs> if I have tasks that I don't want to do, I'll be like looking around at my employees, thinking, I wonder which one of them I can make do this. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I actually hired somebody just to do one specific thing that I hated to do. <laughs> it would actually be cheaper if I did it myself, obviously. Um, but I hate it, so I pay somebody to do it. And so, you know, um, I'm I'm not even ashamed. Um, but I so don't blame you. I'm time management is very important. Uh, and I think that when you um. If you can figure out a way to to carve yourself out a little bit of time to um, relax your mind and reset, um, that would be very helpful. And so but that's an easy mm-hmm. advice to give, but hard advice, hard advice to follow. And oh my um, God, yes. My worst job uh, was a telemarketing job. Uh-huh. And you know what I sound like? You're listening to me, right? Um, when I was younger, yep. I sounded younger. Um, and uh, Oh, God. You'd not believe the number of men that would try to get me to talk dirty to them. 
Okay. So I have a relatively smooth phone voice. I'm not really trying here, but um, it's very, it's a little cultured. It's a little bit deeper. I talk a, uh, a little softer um, when I'm at work. And years and years and years ago, when I first started working on the phones, I had a guy get on the phone with me. I introduced myself, did the spiel, um, because I was calling him for a bill. And he goes, can you just talk to me for a couple minutes? Sir, why do you want me to talk to you for a couple minutes? And then I got the indrawn gasp and a bit of a sign. He goes, oh, no reason. It's like, you sick motherfucker. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I've I've had that experience. I, um, and I'm all of 21 years old. I said that out loud. All right. My boss is standing right behind me, and she damn near came unglued. Why did you call one of our customers a sick motherfucker? I said, because he's trying to masturbate while I'm on the phone. She goes, that sick motherfucker. And we started six times so we could make sure that we recorded him. <laughs> But yeah, I I don't even want to think about how many men actually listen to my podcast for the for the sole purpose of hearing me say dirty words so they can jerk yeah. off. I don't even want to think about it. Um, um my audience uh-uh. is largely male, and that doesn't make any sense because my minions are largely female. <laughs> so. Yeah, that um, one does not make sense. Does not compute. Nope. Last time I checked, my audience was 70% male between the ages of 30 and 50, blog talk. And, um, dude. Yeah, let me get it out of the way for you. Should should we do a show on anal sex or something? Really make your your, your listening ship go through the blood roof? We've already done that, dude. Anyways, um, I have a whole podcast dedicated to anal sex. Uh, but we can do a part two. We're not anal sex this evening, <laughs> so so uh, I'm... giving yourself permission to to write is is number one. Um, mm-hmm. Giving yourself permission to not be in the mood to write is another. Stop making excuses. Um, stop blaming your non-existent muse. Stop blaming um, writer's block. It doesn't exist. You either want to write or you don't. You either have time to write. Or you don't. Um, if you don't have time to write, acknowledge that. Move on from it. If you don't want to write, mm-hmm. if you're not in the mood to write, if you're not inspired to write, that's not writer's block. That's just you're not inspired to write. So acknowledge it. Accept it. Watch a movie. Read a book. Go over to AO3. Read some porn. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. Take a magical butt sex tour. Whatever, whatever gets you through your <laughs> evening. Okay. So, uh, I think the next step, um, really to, uh, to kind of, um, you need to read, you need to read every day. Yes. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes you got to read your stuff. If you're looking for a spark, read somebody else's stuff, wander into the pit if you're brave, um, the Abyss is another place to go wander, as is a good uh, tour guide for the, both of those places. 
Um, <laughs> hey, she is. She wanders the field and gives up stuff too. You know, it's um, <laughs> how you know if if you're not in the mood for fan fiction, which does happen every once in a while. Go pick up something, you know, that you're curious on. Um, Asra recently has been reading forensics and stuff about the body farm. I don't know why. The body farm is a great book. she's been reading. I'm pretty sure it is. When when I start having one of those moods, I go find the actual, some actual videos that gross me out, and that's just plenty thanks, you know. Um, (laughs) I like to watch documentaries. Um, both on YouTube and like on Discovery Channel, and Bill Bass is an excellent writer on forensics. I highly recommend him. Um, I've read several of his books. Um, John Douglas is another. Yeah, I just, if you've never read John Douglas, read John Douglas. He is amazing. He's a um, a behavioral um, psychologist profiler. Uh, started the the real life BSU with the FBI. Excellent, excellent huh. writer. Um, but uh, reading every day is fundamental. Uh, I think reading is fundamental Mm -hmm. to you as a writer. If you're not reading, you're not improving as a writer. Uh, Because reading kind of stretches your brain out, kind of stretches your process out. Um, You learn a lot about the process of writing from other writers. You learn what works and what doesn't work. You learn... When you see their mistakes or when you notice their plot holes, it'll be easier for you to find your own. And also because you can get a chance to to see how somebody else puts a story together. mm -hmm. Because not everybody does it the same way that um, Kira does it or Jilly does it or I do it or Az does it, you know. and you know, you may find something that that absolutely feels like coming home, and this is the most comfortable thing ever. And you go from there. Yeah, I think one of the really valuable parts of Rough Trade is watching somebody else put a story together, um, because mm-hmm. it's it's a really unique experience seeing somebody post their their rough work because you're seeing them build this story one piece at a time, and um, it's just fascinating to watch that and to watch other writers do that. It's a very valuable part of Rough Trades, I think, is probably um, we don't touch on that part often, and I think we probably should. It's just it's it's very informative to watch other writers in the process. Um, mm-hmm. Rough Trades is very uh, supportive, and it's very um, the the community is awesome, and if you feel really good about being part of. Um, an overall process and we're all building and we're all writing together, but individuals and and how they put their stories together and how they build their characters. And you see that as they're posting every day or every other day or how they post is it's very valuable. It also lets you, it gives you a bit of a comfort level because, you know, it's, um, it is, the name of the place is, is tells what it is. It's rough. This is the the you know um, may have you may have hit that last period and run a spell checker and you put it up. 
it's you know it's a it's a good prompt to to keep writing you know um to actually stretch and see can you do this because it took me years to write my first 50,000 word um story and I've come close to it a couple times with rough trade and to actually finish one was just this fabulous feeling you know because I finished you know something that took me years to do before I think I did it in six months it was great you know but that was something that I didn't get finished at the initial rough trade but I did finish the story so it's a bit of a prod it's a nice way to do it it's um, if you think that you need that assistance it's a good place to start beyond reading other people's work I think it's also really super important that you read your own. It, um, you can't, for me, for me, improving um, as a writer comes from acknowledging past mistakes and issues and failures that in my work Um, because nothing is perfect and um, nothing will ever be perfect. I mean, uh, I think that there's a expectation that one day you will be um, this self-actualized perfect writer. Um, No, (laughs) no, that's not how that works. No, <laughs> I think that um, the writer I am today was a writer is, is a better writer than I was last week, and and that's the point um, is to uh, to grow and to change every time. And one of the ways you do that, and one of the ways you keep yourself inspired, is to um, look at your own work for good and bad. You know, it's it's perfectly okay to find your work exciting and inspiring. Um, it's not okay to think your work is perfect and um, Sacrosanct. Written in gold. Yes, written in gold. Um, uh, it's just it's important to acknowledge that uh, that every single sentence you write could be improved. Um, and acknowledging that uh, was a big stumbling block for me. I have to admit, uh, <laughs> in my first editing experience, was nightmarish um, mm. for a multitude of reasons. Uh, and, um, but there is nothing more valuable to a writer than the editing experience because you're, um, an editor's point of view, perspective is, is priceless because they're not looking at your work knowing everything you know about it. They only know what you've given them. So if they're not getting something or if they're not recognizing something that you're doing or if they don't understand what you've written, it's because you haven't done your job. It didn't get out of your head and onto the paper. And that's what an editor does. That's, they, they, they teach you that. And one of the things that you do um, when you read your old work, you get to a point where you're so divorced from the older material that you can take that perspective almost as an editor and say, okay, I'm, I'm not in that headspace for when I wrote that. 
Um, what's missing here? There's a lot missing here. <laughs> Let me go find my notes because what the fuck was I saying right here? It doesn't make any sense. It's not even in English. <laughs> so let, uh, let me just. My worst one is I just end up sitting there with the, the highlight function, highlight that whole block of text, and keep reading to find out exactly where I dropped it. You know, where do I pick this, this thread back up again? And then I go back. <laughs> and oh, really I hope I only ha- Ten chapters ago. Uh, I hope I get it. <laughs> sometimes it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's also a case of, okay, so I picked up this thread. Why did I do this? And then I let it drop and I pick it up, you know, two chapters later and it's like, what the hell did I, what, huh? Uh, no. And so you have to go in and string it along, even if it's just a, you know, uh, a little mention here or there that, that whatever that action that you, you put together two chapters before needs to be mentioned and carried through, even if it's just an, a little aside of, oh, yeah, they're still doing this. Because when it comes back, if you don't have something there to lead through, it's just what the fuck were you dangling. doing again? It's just dangling, <laughs> dangling, and these are things. Yes, um, this is part of your process that, that you learn as you grow. Um, you can go back and see your uh-huh. mistakes and learn from your mistakes and find inspiration in your old work. So if you're having a hard time writing, um, you're not inspired, you don't want to write. Uh, read others. Read your own work and and try to find your inspiration there. Uh, another way to to find inspiration is to leave your house. Le- le- really, le- um, leave your house, people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a problem with this. I prefer my own space. I like my house. I like to stay in it. <laughs> my dogs are here. My food is here. My coffee is here. That's an important one. I'll have to repent. <laughs> Another important one. It's a very important one. I'll got to put on a bra. <laughs> uh-huh. But sometimes, sometimes get changing your perspective, changing your environment um, can be very beneficial to your creative process. Um, go to the library. Go to the bookstore. Go to the coffee shop. Uh, uh, go to the Starbucks. Uh, just go to the park. Mm-hmm. You know, just find just put yourself outside your comfort zone and <laughs> see how it feels. <laughs> if you don't like it, go home. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't got to stay out for a, a, a certain amount of time. Just just try to spice it up a little bit. Change your writing environment. Another thing you can do to um, – is, is this is a very good work habit to have for writing – have a space in your home where you write. You can do other things in the space. You can play games on your computer or whatever. But have a space where when you sit down, your first inclination is, what am I going to write today? Now, I actually have writing spaces in a variety of places I go. Um, I can sit at my desk at home when I'm writing. Um, I have a spot 
in um, several different delis cafes around town um, to the point where um, I actually walked into a McAllister's that I frequently visit and I walked in and there was somebody at my table um, and I was kind of like, I, I was unnerved. It was unnerving. Um, I went to get my tea and I'm thinking about where I'm going to sit. And the person sitting at the table actually apologized to me. She said, oh, I'm sorry. This is your table, isn't it? <laughs> she got up and moved. I was tormenting <laughs> grateful and being embarrassed. I chose grateful. I bought a red <sighs> cookie. <laughs> yep. And I sat down at the table because <laughs> it is my table. <laughs> it doesn't have my name uh-huh. on it, but it should. Um, and so it's just, you know, these are places that you're, you know, when you're comfortable, be comfortable mm-hmm. and you can do some writing. And um, so having defined writing spaces where is is is, is very important for some people, um, m- me included. And so um, I can't write yeah. in the living room. Um, I I do not write in my bedroom. Um, I used to, uh, but yeah. one of the ways I am managing my um, my sleep hygiene is to not do non bed related things in my bedroom. <laughs> Okay. I, I game in there. I game in there because my game um, system is on that TV in that bedroom, and sometimes I'll watch TV. But I don't. Um, I don't read in there. I don't write in there. Um, so that uh, and the and the only device I ever bring um, in beyond my TV that's already in there is my phone, which I which I hook up you know at night, charge beside me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. Um, no Kindle. No tablet. No no laptop. You know because. Uh, anything basically that would overstimulate me to prevent sleep doesn't go into the bedroom anymore. So um, that's a that's a different matter altogether. When you have insomnia, you have to you know mm-hmm. trick yourself. Yeah, <laughs> but writing I... writing is very important. Guard your writing space, but more importantly. Respect your writing time. If you can carve yourself out an hour to write, that is your hour to write. It isn't your hour to do dishes. It isn't your hour to do laundry. It isn't your hour to answer non-emergency phone calls. It isn't your hour to listen to your husband talk about whatever he wants to talk about. He can wait. And if you don't respect your writing time, no one else is going to respect it either. I think that's very important. Um, because if you treat your writing time like it doesn't mean anything, it's very difficult to tell other people to respect it. So when you say, I can't talk right now, I'm actually, I'm writing, but, and I'll call you back later. Or you, or you don't even answer. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can call back after your writing time is over. Uh, if, it's your, if it's your spouse or your kids, um, say, you know what? I'm writing. Give me 45 minutes, and then we'll do whatever you need to do. But you can't, like I said, you can't ask others to respect your writing time if you don't respect it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, 
it's it's one reason why for me I actually on the days that I get out of work early am stopping on the way home and just writing. It's a good decompression. Um, and also something I found which is weird for me, I don't really do a hell of a lot of writing at home. I'll edit, but most of, of my writing, most of the major amounts of writing I do are actually when I am outside the house. And it works, um, except when I sit there and I want to write and I'm at work and I'm supposed to be working. And, you know, that just kind of... Yes. <laughs> yeah, my family, I've I've walked into my parents' house with something in my hands that I'm writing on at, because I do a lot of my writing by hand and I get the most magnificent hairy eyeball look of why are you doing that? This is family time. And it's like, right. And off we go. It gets to be interesting some days. But whatever. I, you know, um, I do most of my writing at home. Uh, I do most of my writing on my husband's asleep. I, mean, I ain't going to lie. Um, and it's not because he uh, will get all in my business and stuff, because he won't. I just, mm-hmm. um, I tend to write better at night um, when he's asleep. It's just yeah. um, my natural rhythm to write around um, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. If I have a choice, I'm a vampire. I will be going to sleep with, with Dawn and waking up um, much later in the day and do the greater majority of my living in the late afternoon all the way through the night. And for me, that's enjoyable. Um, Unfortunately, I have to work, so it means I'm getting up at dawn, actually before dawn, and, you know, having to go to sleep at a relatively decent hour. You know, it's it sucks. A lot. A lot. So very much. But um things I figured out that, you know, I can if I take the time and I go and make sure um I've got an hour to hour or two a day outside the house where I can um, write and and do something that is for me, it's better. You know, um, I can't write in the car. Um, it's It doesn't feel right. It's difficult. Um, I pay too much attention to what's going on on the road for me to do that. Um I, I'll i read on the way home. I'll play games on the way home. I'll let my brain cycle and just 
you know, think about something that, that um, some plot point that I want to work out. So I guess that that's useful time, you know, just to, to think about, you know, all the, the, the points that I need to, to cover, you know. Um, Writing is always going to be something that is um, personal and and a little different, and it's not something you can easily, or at least for me, easily point to and say, you know, look at all the progress I've done, and you know, um, you can, you know, your uh, my family can't always see what um the physical proof of what I'm doing. It's not like I was if I was sitting there and knitting, you know, and then they right. could see the finished product, you know, right there in their in, in my hands and they could touch it and say, Hey, yes, this is this is product. Words are very difficult to show unless, you know, you've got I, I don't type <laughs> on a typewriter. I can't you know, point at the, the pile of pages and say, this is my writing for the day. You know, ones and zeros don't work that way. Do you think it's important, I mean, do you think that lack of um, physical proof is is a problem? When you're the only writer in a family of people who don't write, yes. Because they don't see it. Okay. Um, my family can be quite creative in things, but that is a a verbal uh, storyteller, an oral storyteller. He will tell stories until you're blue uh, in the face from laughing, but he doesn't write them down. Okay. Um, my sister's got her creative side. It was drawing. She enjoyed it. My niece, same thing. Um, the husband plays computer games and um, is learning how to, to slowly but surely uh, cook without a, a set recipe. But he's not, and my mom's not, the type where they sit down um, with a piece of paper that's utterly blank and a pen and create, you know, a story. And so they're there's a disconnect between what I do and what they do. You know, um, I think you, you've commented before that you just don't get how somebody who doesn't read a lot, what do they do when they're standing in line? You know, do they just stand there? Do they play a game? Do they contemplate murder? What are those people doing? Balancing their um, checkbook. Yeah, you know, um, before the phones were so tiny and, you know, you could load up, um, you know, a Kindle app on them, I knew my mom would stand in line and not do a a damn thing. What are you thinking? Nothing. How can you stand in line for 10 minutes and not think of anything? You know? Nothing. Nothing. You know? Nothing. I don't get it. It freaks me out. 
<laughs> yeah, Claire, contemplating murder is kind of like writing the planning part of it anyway. Yes, this is true, but you're not supposed to tell. <clears throat> because for most people, when you say, I'm contemplating murder, they don't stick around long enough to say for you to finish, but I'm a writer, so I'm trying to do it for a murder mystery or something. Mm. No. <laughs> it just doesn't work. I, um, talked about this before with Jilly, um, and how, um, various people in her life have a problem with her writing fan fiction because it doesn't have any value to them. Um, and I think oh, a lot God, of people don't, don't find value that. in writing overall. They find no value in writing mm-hmm. whatsoever, no matter the content. Um, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Don't validate. Mm-hmm. Don't attempt to validate yourself to other people when it comes to your writing. When they ask you what you're doing, and you already know how they're going to respond, just tell them mm-hmm. you're doing something you enjoy. And then watch them flail as they try to explain to you you don't have the right to enjoy something. It's very entertaining. Mhm. It's also really they'll be hard pressed too. It, they'll be hard pressed to do it. You know, they'll be like, oh, um. Because they asked you, they already know. They already know what you're doing. They've asked you for an opportunity to berate you for not doing what they think you should be doing. Whether they're consciously doing it or not, they don't find value in your writing. So they're trying to find some way to chastise you for it. We live in a society where um, time is money. And if you're doing something with your time that doesn't make money, then it has no value. It's worthless. Why are you doing it? The the other part of that is, um, yes, I know, you know people can make money at writing, but obviously you're not making money at writing. Why aren't you making money at writing? You know, and my name isn't J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <Just saying. laughs> or Anne McCaffrey or Mercedes Lackey or uh, J.R. Uh, Tolkien, however, whatever um, J.R. Tolkien is, and he didn't make much money either. You know, um, You know, it's ugh, so many things. Yeah, these are the same people that spend all that time spending hours watching TV or watching sports, berating professional sports players for the shit they can't do. Mm-hmm. Same exact people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, why aren't they making money as critics? Because um, that would require them to actually be um, qualified, coherent, right? That too. That helps. 
Um, being coherent helps a lot too. Because, you know, if if you've <laughs> if you've done the, you know, um whole tell me why I can't do something that I enjoy doing uh routine and they give you you know stuff that sounds pretty much like because I said so. Um, that's not going to work for somebody who wants to be a critic on TV. Or at least on um, TV shows. Uh, I have a cousin who... You have a lot of cousins. I do have a lot of cousins who likes NASCAR. And once oh, he boy. asked me, he said... Um, how much money do you make riding? I said, how much money do you make watching NASCAR? What? Mm-hmm. How much money do you make watching NASCAR? Well, I don't make any money watching NASCAR. How much money do you spend watching NASCAR? He said, well, account hotels, trips. This motherfucker spends $5,000 a year on NASCAR. Huh. $5,000 a year. I said, so your hobby that costs you $5,000 a year is more valid than my hobby, which gives me just as much entertainment as yours does and costs me maybe 30 bucks a year because I have a notebook addiction. His face was priceless. So you can ask them that. Uh, Figure out what their thing that they do. How much money do you make watching football? (laughs) Oh, wait. You spend money watching football? Oh. Oh. You know, the other one that really is is ridiculous? Um, You you know, fan fiction is for little kids, right? It's, It's just, you know. Why are you involved with God, that? I hope not. Um, I've actually had that one. Uh, I, I, what I didn't do at the time, and I really should have, but I found it out more later, is you know that fantasy football thing routine that people do. You know that's fan fiction. It's just sports. Yeah. And, and it's manly. The football and, fandom is gearing up. It is football season, so the football fandom's gearing up. Their cosplays on point. You'll see their jerseys. Yep, and their makeup. Can't forget the makeup. Oh, as they're going to have male cheerleaders now. <laughs> it just won't be those poor girls shaking their 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 stuff. Money maker. That's what I was thinking, but yes. They're going to have boy cheerleaders. Does that mean that we're going to be getting a whole bunch of hip shakes so that way they can shake their money makers? I hope so. Anyways, um, (laughs) yeah, so don't let anybody uh, put you in a position of validating yourself as a writer or or your writing or the time you give to it. That is your time. It belongs, and you don't owe it to them in any shape or form, and you don't owe them an explanation, and you don't owe them any sort of satisfaction. You don't 
you just don't owe them any of that crap. And just don't, 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 don't take it. Just ugh. Because that can be very stressful if you've got somebody in your life who's constantly harping on you for doing something that you love and treating it like it's meaningless. It can be very um, detrimental to your process as a writer, to your growth, to your productivity. To your confidence. To your confidence. You know, it takes a certain amount of... um, it takes a certain amount of, of, of strength of character to actually sit there for the first time and, you know, put everything together and then hit enter, you know, and, and let what you've written out into the, um, into the wider world. Yeah. Um, it sure as hell wasn't easy for me the first time I did it. You gotta have a healthy ego, I think, to to put your stuff out there. Um, um, and, and I don't have an ego problem. You might have noticed, uh, <laughs> but um, no, your ego is definitely not have, the problem. I do, <laughs> I do have moments where I, um, like. I'm currently, uh, I have to look. I can't even tell you a number because that's how fucked up I am right now. Um, I'm working on my Big Bang story. Um, I've I've never done a bang. I I find the whole thing kind of weird. I'm at 83K. um, (laughs) And, uh, sorry. And I, uh, I, I was telling Julie last night. That I kind of felt like, and it was mo- this is mostly just PMS because uh, PMS can just ruin your whole groove for writing. Um, I have been writing steadily like for the last month and a half on this. Um, you have so, yeah. I started this on. I started at six twenty nine, two thousand eighteen, and I have worked. 16,736 minutes on this story so far. And it is 83K. Um, and I'm at that point, I'm at a point in my plot where I've got to do a little building um, leading into my, to my climax. And so I'm, um, I'm near the, I'm near the middle of the arc two. I'm in the middle of arc two. Uh, and I, I kind of thought I'm dragging. And so, and I'm plotting along and um, I just, I guess I need a little hand-holding. I don't know. So, I, you know, even though I don't have an ego problem, sometimes I do think, oh, this sucks. Can you read this? Tell me it doesn't suck. <laughs> we all have that moment. So, um, and it I doesn't to do suck. with ego. I think that's more to do with confidence. Um, and this is also uh, basically, I can't. I won't end up saying too much. I need to go. I need to walk away from the bang. I need to walk away from the bang. Okay. Um being a bang okay, virgin well, is, is very difficult for me. <laughs> no, it's okay. The bang itself is not the problem. The problem is the fact that you can't say anything. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've been working on a potential bang project and 6,500 words. So doing this around, you know, work, I'm happy with that. 
you know, we'll see how things go. The only thing I don't like about using the pen I use is sometimes it's the um, creative version of my spelling. <laughs> I well, it takes my handwriting spelling as I type. You got believe well, you would believe because you see my rough draft. Yeah, yeah. my creative spelling. <clears throat> if I could spell, I'd rule the world. That's the only thing holding me back. That and procrastination. Well, that and the paperwork, too. Yeah, that'd be a real bitch. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> it's not that I don't have the will for it. I just don't want the... Yeah, I don't want the work. You know? It's just too much damn work. Hmm. Congratulations, Claire. Claire just hit 46K today. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome indeed. Congratulations to you. <laughs> I, um, yeah, the the secret part of the Big Bang is, is um, oof, it's, it's getting to me because, you know, um, my podcast is often my sounding board for the various things I'm working on. Um, so it's a little, yeah. Well, you know, how about this? So going into um, and relating back to getting your groove back on, okay, um, for those of us who are multi-fandom, okay, um, being able to move in and out of the various fandoms that you have and pick your groove back up, if you will, in one that you've left for a while, how would you do that? I mean, um, to use an example, uh, SGA, because you haven't written it real recently. How do I get back into a fandom? Um, yeah. I'm going to pick up, I'm probably going to do SGA for Nano. So, um, you know, thinking about it, I um, I have been reading some of my older SGA works. I I read mm-hmm. um, Human Nature and I read um, uh, um, The Air That Angels Breathe. And I am thinking about reading uh, what might have been because I am going to be doing um, something a little different for my Nano. I talked about it in the podcast um and um it's going to be a isolated atlantis because of uh medical experimentation gone gone terribly wrong um and so <sighs> it's uh yeah it, it, it's going to be interesting i don't i don't know i'm 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 going to plot this, this weekend for it so, so we'll see how it goes okay um but uh one of the things I like to do is I like to pick up my old favorites. Um, mm-hmm. I read uh, Time in a Bottle last week uh, when I was on a break right. from writing, and uh, which is my all-time favorite SGA story. Um, <laughs> and I read Ordinary Life, uh, which I adore. Um, and yeah. 
I uh, I was thinking about reading Thousand Mother by Spring Wolf, um, but that's a that, that's a really heavy read. Um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah and that's a big read. Um, but it's actually it's it's, uh, it's a very inspiring read. So when I'm thinking about mm-hmm. moving back into like Stargate, I try to pick out authors that originally inspired me in Stargate. Um, okay. Because really, um, time in a bottle, I fell in love. I I yeah. I was not a, a McKay Shepherd shipper, um, and I stumbled across Time in a Bottle, and I started reading it. And by the end of it, I was just like, "Oh my God!" An OTP was born. I couldn't <laughs> finish writing the series I was actually writing at the time, which was um, yeah, Dark Places in the Soul. I stopped. I was done. I was 100% done. I was like, "Nope, can't do it." I am in love. I've fallen in love with McShep, and I, it is it is a done deal. It is my OTP forever and ever and ever. Amen. And um, and uh, it's yeah. So uh, time in a bottle, and um, yeah, done deal. And you can't go back, you know. So so I try to pick out stories that really, 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 really inspire you know inspire me in the fandom um, different from what I plan to write. Like I would not have sought out any kind of um, mutation fix or X-Men crossovers or anything to do right. with Bug John. Um, I would not have wanted to do that. So um, okay. it's more about the characters and, and reintroducing myself to the characters um, and how they're portrayed in fandom. To kind of get my groove back into that freedom. Fandom. No, because then I'll cry for a month. <laughs> Besides, I'm on my period. Yeah, and I don't need an excuse to cry. <laughs> I cried earlier today because I yeah. I couldn't find my keys. So I don't need I don't need a fix to make me. You know, so nah, nah, dog. Besides, <laughs> I read freedom yeah, I earlier that. in the summer. I um. For those of you who don't know, we're talking about freedom is just another word. For nothing left to lose. It is the um, the ultimate love letter to John Shepard. Mm-hmm. It is. Even though his name, even though his name's only said once, the whole the, the whole fic. A thousand mother by Spring Wolf heavy thick that um, I love it. It's a great story. Um, it's got a lot of heavy themes. It's very long. Um, I'm sure Lady Hover is finding a link for it as I speak. <laughs> um, actually, no. I was finding Freedom, but um, oh. I can find Thousand Mother. That's easy. I think. <laughs> I, I got it. I thought I had it. I was wrong. You know, sometimes um, AO3 is a pain in the ying. There 
There it is, probably. Yeah, that would be why I didn't get it right. I put a space in there. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's the link. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it's only 48K. It seems longer than that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's it's very um dense. It's a very dense read. I highly recommend it. Um, it's a very good story. Yes. Uh, it sticks out in my brain as being very good. Um, and um, so it was on my list, but I skipped over it because it's a little dense. And um, I was um, yeah. But freedom, I read once a year, and um, I've already read it this year. It's twenty three thousand words of of heartache. Actually, it's not. It's only 19. Oh, well, no, sorry. Between the two pieces, you're right. It's 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 23. Yeah. It, yeah. Is, um, it, is, it is beautiful. Oh, Utterly. Geez, I'm so sorry. Utterly beautiful. It is a death fic. The fic, the, the death happens before the fic ever starts. Rodney mm-hmm. is on Earth. Uh, living his life and um, getting through every day. He's a widow. Um, and um, it, it's beautiful. I'll, I only read it once a year, and I've already read it this year. And like I said, I'm on my period, so I don't need a reason to cry. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't need an excuse. It's, yeah, it's utterly wrenching. And you know, the, um, I read it when it when it was print uh, when it was put out the first time, and I remember thinking that you know that that story um, it shook the fandom. You know, it really did. So. Um, yeah, that's something to to. Yeah. It is honestly one of the best written fics I've ever read. It is it is beautiful, um, but it is mm-hmm. it is heartbreaking um, to read. And sometimes you need your heart broken. Sometimes, um, as a writer, the most um, beautiful experience you can have is a story that breaks your heart. Well, it's. It's nice to know that you're not so detached that you know the words on the page and and the the scenes that it's it's putting that are being put together. It's nice to know that that can still move you. You know, it's um, kind of reassuring that you're not quite, or at least for me, that I'm not cynical enough to you know not get moved by words. I don't know. Going on to other things. Um, do you go back and, I mean, I know you, you're rereading some of your uh, Stargate stuff, but are you uh, planning on checking out your, your um, I guess, things like What Might Have Been or Atlantean Legacy or any of that? To, I'm to, probably to... going to read Atlantean Legacy because um, it's a, cut off from Earth, and I don't want to reuse too many of themes. So that's why I'd pick that one to read, so that I don't um, rehash too much. 
Okay, so just get an idea of where you had gone so that way you don't go there again. Or, you know, if I find something that I really like, so I can go there again, you know. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The Hard Prayer is a really good story. Uh, it's a apocalypse fic. Um, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, not as nearly as heartbreaking as uh, Freedom. But devastating in its own way. I've read Sandstorms exactly once, and I'll never read it again. Oh, God, that thing. But it's fantastic. It's a great read. Sandstorms is a fantastic read. If you've not read Sandstorms, and you're in the SGA fandom, you need to read um, Sandstorms. Um, it is uh, I think it's been 10 years since I've read it. I think it's been 10 years since yeah, I read it, and that's mm-hmm. more than enough. <laughs> yeah. I get mad thinking about Sandstorms. And not because it's great. I get mad about the events in Sandstorms. <laughs> thinking oh, about it. I'm like, oh, you bitches. <laughs> you bastards, how dare you. And it's been a decade since I read it, <laughs> at the very least. But yeah. it's very good. It's very good. Um, you know, honestly, it's going to sound really weird, but I kind of want to write a fic like that. Not Sandstorms or Freedom in particular, but I want to write a, a, a story that people say, oh, my God, you have to read that. If you don't read anything else in the fandom, you need to read this. And I don't think I have yet. Oh, yeah, um, I found it. Okay, yeah. Wraith Fate. Mm-hmm. I opened it up. I really shouldn't have. Don't open it <laughs> I up. I forgot how much I... Yeah. It was silly. One of the things I found um, is how much... Um, how much those those early um, early stories informed my writing? You know um, how how they shaped um, how I look at characters. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and going back to them reinforces it. Um, because, you know, it's... Um, sometimes it's... it's When I read something, I remember why I stopped reading an author or a series because I don't like the characterization. Um Sometimes they do. Uh, I guess. I guess the other part of, of finding your groove is also finding that that spark that that made you pick up the pen or the the keyboard and and you know start writing something. Um, why did you Why did you want to tell your own story in the first place? You know what What let that spark to 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 get the story that you've lived with in your head, 
know, out to where somebody else could see it. And I was just reading, rereading something, and um, it was, I think it was, it was actually written during the time that Atlantis was actually on the air. And it was fairly early in the um, show, and, and the Rodney that was portrayed was a bit of a wuss. You know, he was he was um, very whiny and, and somewhat wimpy. He still came through in the end, but he wasn't he wasn't the strong character it wasn't that like I, he was. I no, it wasn't. And I I, it's like, I think I remember this is one of the reasons why I started writing. You know, <laughs> Rodney McKay's I've done. You know, um, you know early early Sentinel and Guide stuff where you know. Rodney is fragile, you know. Um, it's like uh, this is why I wrote the, uh, a strong McKay, you know. Sometimes so it's useful to go back and, and is, see it. Um, is is common, and there's always one character that gets feminized um, by a sect, a certain sect of um, the fandom, and it's just something that you know. Mm-hmm. Imperfections is actually really good. Um, I enjoy imperfections, and I'm not. I wouldn't use that as an example of the girl with the dick, um, particularly. No, no. Um, but there are, but there are stories in the fandom, and it, it, it's the Sentinel is is, is famous for it, uh, um, where uh-huh. Blair's basically been feminized. Um, uh, She's and a very it, furry woman. <laughs> In in imperfections, Rodney is fragile. There is a world built where it makes sense. Okay, but you know, I'm I'm thinking of the type of story where, um, you know, McKay is his his sentinel. He's a fragile sentinel in Imperfections by Dasha, Mm -hmm. right, Dasha? But he's not a fragile person. He's not um, fragile emotionally. He's not fractured and hysterical, which is what I consider. Mine's not fractured either. He has a he his 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 condition as a sentinel is actually a burden, um, which is a very interesting Mm -hmm. take on it, and it's, it's it's a very good story. But Rodney himself is not like a daisy. He's not he's not a delicate flower. And that's the difference. Yeah. I've read stories where Rodney's personality, for all the fact that he's got all that that um, bombast and bluster, is built on sand. You know, and he's, you know, just the slightest whiff of, of something and he crumbles like, you know. Um, Which is ridiculous. Yeah, because I don't know if they were watching and looking at the same character that I was. Um, but moreover, and, Rodney know, has two PhDs in canon. You don't get two PhDs by being a snowflake. Uh, I was going to put fragile glass, but yeah, he, he's he's not that. You know, um, Rodney's physical condition uh, in imperfections is is the the fragile part, um, his personality, 
you've got better luck trying to, you know, um, drill through uh, concrete with a, I don't know, a plastic teaspoon than getting that man to do what you want. <laughs> you know, it's just not happening. Uh, it's a good read. I, I I recommend it. It's a very interesting take on the Sentinel God trope. But again, um, Rodney is a fragile Sentinel in that. Yeah, but his, his it's not his personality that's fragile. <laughs> God, no. he's not some wilting violent. No. Um, but no. It's, it's very good. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but there is that syndrome that kind of crosses fandoms where um, one of the char- one of the characters in a male-male pairing is feminized. It, I see it, it happens to Blair, it happens to McKay, it happens to um, to uh, Daniel Jackson. It, um, I've never read uh, um, Supernatural, but I kind of want to think it's probably Dean. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, he's a, yeah, <laughs> as I'm saying, it's Dean. Um, Imperfections is the one where um, Rodney is um, a inspector, an environmental scientist. Mm-hmm. Denozo, Denozo, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Weepy, cheating, whore James Kirk. Um, and they're... They're feminized, and it's such a disgusting thing to see. Um, and it's because they're not even feminized into badass women. <laughs> they're whiny, sarcastic. That would girls. be cheating. <laughs> it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Um, and you see these young, these inexperienced writers doing it because they're trying to relate to one of the characters and they're trying to fit one of the characters into their heteronormative um, viewpoint. Like that person who actually um, gave me a bad review on Am- well, not a bad review. Um, she was disappointed because in my am- in my book, Fall for You, um, Riley didn't get rescued by Marcus, didn't ride to the rescue and rescue him like he was a damsel in distress. She actually eh? gave me love because I didn't fit my gay romance into her heteronormative um, mindset for a romance. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't... You know what, though? If Riley had been a girl, Marcus still wouldn't have saved her. It is still going on the same way if I had written Riley as a girl. I would not have Good had him... Her. Because it's bullshit. Uh huh. Here's another one. This is actually the one that made me do Rodney as the guide and John as the sentinel. I like strawberries. And, yes, I do. Like strawberries in summer is awesome. But we're talking about you know easing your way back into a fandom that you're um, that you've kind of backed away from, and um, mm-hmm. it's been a while since I wrote some Stargate, so I'm looking forward to it in November. Um, I tried doing it last year. I failed miserably. Uh, and I actually had two ideas. I wish I'd gone with the other one, which was Rocket Man. Um, and I'm kind of pissed at myself for not. Um, I still have that plot, and I still want to write it. Um, 
but uh, I think I'd have had a much better nano if I'd gone with that one instead Possibly, of synthetic. Yeah. Well, I adored synthetic. I adored what you had of it. So, you know, there's that. But yeah, I, I, I get why. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes ideas just fall apart on you, and that's part of your process. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's important to also, um, when you're talking, when you're just to be. Um, be kind to yourself when you when you fail at something. It's it's perfectly okay. Um, you can be your own worst critic critic too. You know. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. You you want to make. Don't torment yourself. You know. Um, torment tormenting and torturing yourself because, you know, um, you found that whatever story idea you were working on didn't work, well, you know, it's, um, I, I, I don't know how many, you know, 2,000 um, word story ideas I've got down, you know, floating around either notebooks or my hard drive that I have that I've looked at and went, eh, no. You know, saving not work, yet, and I'm done. Yeah, you know, I may return to it. It may go up as a, um, uh, you know, a sneak peek or something, or it may live on my hard drive forever. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> you know, um, I try not to torture myself with it because. You know, it's um, it's not fair to myself. You know. Actually, oh. beat myself myself up over failure, um, but I can't get annoyed with myself. Like, oh fuck, why did I do that? <laughs> That's so annoying. Ah. Uh huh. <laughs> Why did I do that? There were much better choices I could have made. Yeah, I should have turned left at Albuquerque. Yes, that one that one has popped up. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've <laughs> I've read through my stuff and um kind of shaken my head at some of my decisions and you know, it's like, okay. No. You know, it made sense at the time, so. <laughs> it made sense I, at the I'm, time. <laughs> it's good. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and I'm not going to sit there and, you know, try and um, <laughs> second, third, and, you know, fourth guess myself. But change of scenery, um, uh, reading, 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 read, 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 read. Mm-hmm. Um, don't torture yourself if there's nothing to write, if you're not inspired. 
uh, I think that's very important as well because um, you can actually just completely stress yourself out that way. You kind of pile it on. And honestly, well, here, here's something else to think of. If if it's one thing that's 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 giving you the fits, okay, um, let's say it's a sex scene, all right? You, you think you need to have, you know, a sex scene in a story and for whatever reason you're having fits with it because it just isn't going to work and you can't figure out how to make it work. Don't write it. Leave it, leave it alone. Work around it. Fade to black, okay? Um, and move on. You know, if, if you return. have to do the fade to black. Yes. Hit the enter key. Hit the caps lock and type insert sex scene here. Turn the caps lock off. <laughs> do a scene break. Start writing. I've done it. I've, uh-huh. I have I have done it so many times. Um, uh-huh. To the point where I actually got it in a novel once. And my agent was wrote back and said, you know what? It'd be great if you do insert that sex scene there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> she said, yeah. yeah, it made her laugh her ass off, so she really appreciated it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to, like, just do that and move on. Because either, you know, honestly, either your brain's telling you you don't actually need that sex scene there, or you're just not in the mood to be sexy. So so move on, and then when you're in the mood to be sexy, mm-hmm. go try to ride in, you know. Um yeah. There, there's no set timetable that you, you know, you have the next 30 minutes, you must write a sex scene. No, that doesn't work that way, you know. Um, just because you're writing, you may be writing a romance um, or a story with romance in it, you don't need to have sex. Okay, Kira has an absolutely glorious example of a story that literally does fade to black. You never yeah, it see does. It. Um, I uh, chose specifically not to to write sex in courting Hermione Granger because it um, it didn't fit the character. It didn't mm-hmm. fit Hermione. Hermione, who had um, saved herself for, for marriage who had um, this deeply romantic idea of of what um, sex between her and her husband should be. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I I wrote it. I did actually write the sex scene, but it was the most awkward sex scene I've ever written in my life. And I'll tell you, if if I have two or three bankable skills that I can depend on, dialogue, characterization, and sex scenes, I got that shit on a lot of but it was the where I I was like, oh my god, this is the ter- this is the this is like a sex scene a thirteen year old would write. I don't know what that was. Ooh. It was terrible. It was terrible. So I took it out and then I was like, okay, that's that's so much better. Uh, I don't even I, I don't even know what it was. It was just I tried writing it from Harry's point of view. Nope. Try writing it from Hermione's point of view. I felt icky. So no, it's a doubt. You know, I had to take it out. So you know, sex isn't required. Um, yeah. No. You know, um, you know, and I'm just using the, the, the idea of sex as, you know, um, it, it's something that it's normally a reasonably contained scene. But, you know, if something, if, if it's a character, um, um, 
sometimes if it's a character arc or if it's a characteristic of somebody that you know you you think should be is is, is you know should be um, given attention to you know and it's and you're having problems with it leave it be you know um, right you know the next scene or the next two scenes down the road. Um, you know, see if you can figure out exactly why, you know, concentrating on that one item was, was wrong. Uh, honestly, the, the, the hardest thing for me with writing a sex scene sometimes is keeping track of all the limbs. I have been really tempted over the years to ask for some of those, you know, um, um, mannequin thingies that, you know, you can pose. That way I can put them together and start counting the limbs. <laughs> yeah. One of the best that I got for writing sex is um, write it in first person. But for you, uh, open up a new document and write your sex scene in first person. From mm-hmm. the woman's point of view, uh, I'm assuming that you're female, and, that's, and that was a terrible assumption to make. Um, uh, or from your, from your point of sex, view. Which also, write it from your point of view. Write it as if you're having sex. Uh, this, is, this is not for public consumption. <laughs> this is about, um, and even write about your own sex life. This is just for you. This is not for your um, for your writing, um, for your public fan fiction or whatever. It's just, it's just for you. Um, so that you get comfortable with the act in the writing process. Um, write about your sexual experiences. You don't have to keep the file. You can delete it. You don't, you don't have to keep it. You can just write it down and then not save. But one of the best ways, really, is just to get really comfortable with the language. And for me, the best way to do that was to write it in first person. Um And it it honestly it helped me a lot. And so after I did that, you know, I don't know for ages, um, writing it in third person um, from various other characters' points of view became really easy. Um, so it's just about getting comfortable with the language um, and uh, the act itself as a writer. And once you do, it'll be it'll be really super easy to write. But you don't have to show anybody. You don't have to save it. Just just write it, and just so you get comfortable with the language and the activity and the rhythm. Because writing sex has a rhythm, just like having sex has a rhythm. <laughs> yes and no. You know, honestly, um, if. <laughs> If you need to check and see how a position looks, um, be careful what you access because you might get horrified. Um, I always have to in xtube.com. I'm not going to lie. What? No, I do. Pornhub. That, that <laughs> one works for me. Yeah, um, Pornhub. <laughs> but, you know, or go find the little... Um, mannequins and sit there and <laughs> play with your dolls. <laughs> Barbie dolls. 
But no, I'm serious about writing it in first person. I've done that. Um, you don't have to show it. In, you don't have to show it to anybody. Um, you know, write your own little sex diary. Um, your your own sexual fantasies. Um, so you get really comfortable with the language because for the most part, I think most people stumble in writing sex um, when it comes to um, the language of writing sex. If you're not comfortable using explicit terms, then don't use them. Um, I don't recommend you use purple language. Um, oh. Don't get asked started. Uh, uh, but but uh, it, no one needs a purple helmet warrior, okay? Um, so, but... Um, <laughs> And if you find that you're just completely uncomfortable with using the explicit terms or even, you know, non-explicit terms for genitals, then maybe you just don't need to write sex at all. And that's perfectly okay if um, you find writing sex uncomfortable or you just can't get the swing of it. Just don't write it. And no, don't. I mean, you don't got to explain yourself mm-hmm. to anybody. No, as there will be no charges <laughs> left for for fuck's sake. Um, but no, She's in a honey passage. In a honey passage. I highly recommend that you write um, some sex diaries in first person. <laughs> Just don't, you don't feel necessary to share them or even save them. But it, getting used to the language, getting comfortable with the language. Um, for me, a lot of times sex scenes... Um, when I was first starting out, it seemed abrupt and weird. And I was like, that sex took 30 seconds. That that probably is not accurate. <laughs> I hope that's not accurate. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, um, are, and sometimes even now, I'm like, are my characters talking too much in the midst of the fucking? Because <laughs> I always think they're very chatty, dude. And like. Uh, my yes. characters are chatty during sex. There's just a lot of talking going on. And I'm like, um, but I recently wrote a really, 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 where one of my characters just told the other character quite bluntly that he wanted to fuck. And I was like, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> That's not very romantic at all. Excuse <laughs> but me. it was hot. Um, aren't you the person who, who also wrote a character who called his asshole a pussy? Yes, I did. It's his. He can call it whatever the hell he wants to. But yep. I have to tell you that when I wrote that scene in um, that uh, story, whose title I've totally forgotten, it was my Spencer Aaron Hartner story. It was a, a Sentinel. Yes. Um, um, when I wrote that, I um, my cheeks were all red and hot. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm busting. I'm, I, I blushed over here when I was writing that scene. And I was like, what the fuck? I can't. I actually deleted it several times and then put it back in because it really worked. It worked very well, and it's a delicate balance. That's what we call it, a delicate balance. Thank you. I, I can't listen. I forgot my own title, go. but I do that often. But, yeah. See, there's just... You don't... Get in the corner, Ellie. Come on. <laughs> God. Damn it, ass. <laughs> I can't. Copper Cavern? Um. Huh. 
I, I think I liked it better when you called it no no. <laughs> My no, your no no uh, met up with mine and made squish squish. I yeah. I I just I can't even. I just can't. I just can't. Those of you who are listening to this podcast, um, from from a from a future perspective, this is not a historical document to you. Um, you've missed nothing in this chat room that you actually want to see. I promise. <laughs> Uh, it's probably a good thing there isn't a, a, a copy of some of the stuff that's shown up. Man. Something does not need to be preserved for, for posterity. Let's just leave it at that. Posterity can can skip it, yeah. Um, posterity can suck my dick. Um, metaphorical or otherwise. Um, yeah. The, the things... <laughs> the thing for me, oh, but, oh, what? Pretty. When it comes to yes, he is. When it comes to to being able to get my mojo back, if you will, um, or find my groove, or however you want to term it, it may mean that I leave whatever stumped me and just walk away. You know, um, I may not be able to to pick that up, and it may take me six months or longer. Um, it may mean going back and looking at um, other things of that type, you know, to see if I can get sparked. You know, um, it may mean that I do something completely different. I do housework, you know. i got to be frustrated to do housework. I hate it. Right? Um, but <laughs> if I'm washing dishes, you know my... My shit is on is not on point. <laughs> it's actually scrubbing the floor for me, but yeah, um, you know, it's take a mental break. Don't punish yourself. Don't sit there and say you have to do this. You know, your your fans are waiting <laughs> on you. Uh, the fans can fucking wait. Okay, also, you take care you of you and your mental health. Start a new project. You yeah. have my permission to start a okay. project. Um, if you need it, if you, if you need permission, you have it. Um, don't don't let yourself get bogged down and stuck on one, and just just sit there until you get too frustrated to write ever again. Just um, start something new. Some people think having a whole bunch of works in progress is terrible. I have over a hundred, and I regret nothing. What? I regret nothing. I I counted. I'm I'm over fifty, so you know I got no shames on this. So you know, for me, it's I um, made a list. I, I made a list, and I will give you an exact number. Um, <laughs> I have 129 works in progress, and it equals two million. 67,878 words, not including the 62,000 words or the 82,000 words I've written on um, my bang, because my bang is not on this list. You know what? I, I, shall I've, add I know I've, I, I've read a, a chunk of those, but yeah, um, you know, it's works in progress, you know, unfinished work, 
you know, I put it aside because, you know, I, I need to, to reboot. It, you're allowed to do all of it. You know, take care of you first. Your writing will follow. The fans can wait. And we got, and on, our time is probably and, up. And that, on that beautiful note, we're going to say goodnight. You guys have a great weekend. <laughs> Keep yep. Jilly in your thoughts. She is in the wilderness. <laughs> I don't Second think there's, there's um, good night. I don't think there's room uh, room service. Poor kid. Oh God. <laughs> or internet. Keep her in your thoughts. Or internet. Good night. All right. Good night. Thank you.